Hello and welcome to Portraits of Clongos, a podcast series that takes you on a journey into the lives of former pupils of Clongos Wood College. My name is Russell McDermott, and in this podcast series, we will speak with alumni from Clongos to hear their first-hand accounts of the transformative impact this school has had on their lives. Today in Portraits of Clongos, we talk to Brian Carney. Brian Carney is a rugby player who changed codes from rugby league to rugby union. He represented Munster, Ireland in both codes, and GB in Ireland as well. He is now a sports commentator. Brian, welcome to Portes of Clongos. Hello, Rossa. Thanks for having me on. Oh, you're welcome. The first question is, how was Clongos for you and how would you remember it looking back? Clongos was a wonderful experience for me. There's so many different parts to it in the whole tremendously positive experience. One, I would have no hesitation in betrothing to my my children if I had a little boy, I've got two little girls. But yeah, certainly a time in my life I look back on with tremendous fondness. And how did you end up there, Brian? Did you have family there? Or? That's a good question. Um, I, I have no idea. I grew up in Valley Mountain, Wicklow, which yeah. wasn't a million miles away from Clongos, but on, on, on bad roads with mom driving, it, it took probably <laughs> an hour and a half or so. I grew up in a little tiny village. I had 16 people in my class. And in my sixth class in Valley Mount National School, mom and dad said I had to go to these other schools and do examinations, uh, entrance examinations. I wasn't fully sure what they were. So I remember going to one at Newbridge, going to one at Black Rock, going to one at Clongos. And my, my brother was doing similar ones. So didn't think much of it. I forget when in the year they were, but I, I know I enjoyed the summer. And towards the end of the summer, I was brought shopping for for new duvets and new sheets and, and pillowcases. And, yeah. and I was allowed to pick what I wanted. Well, I think I had an Action Man one, I think, in the um, in my first year. And, and I was, why, how come I'm getting this? And Because you might stay a few days in this school. I said, all right, okay. So we drove up to the school. And I'm trying not to misremember here because I know our minds can do that. But I'm pretty confident it's how, it's how it happened that my mom said, here you go take care, all the best, and look at all these other lads, you know, that you can you can mate around with. One of the first I met was Ian Darcy from Wexford, Gordon's older brother. Yeah. And immediately you're in this massive building on an unbelievable campus and you're 12 years of age and you've got the run of the place and it just feels so good. And uh, more kids would come and you'd say, oh, so there's so-and-so with his parents. He doesn't look so happy or he does look happy. And everybody was getting dropped off with bags and uh, and you could tell everybody was, it wasn't just me that had new duvet covers. I mean, that must have been a priority for all the parents. <laughs> yeah, and, well, that uh, and laundry numbers. The lo- I remember that's the it. Laundry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Laundry numbers. I still remember yeah. mine. 439. And just like <laughs> the code for life. I'm, I'm going to have to, yeah, I'm going to have to try and remember mine. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, there was probably a little bit of housekeeping at the time, um, but nothing uh, officious that would make you feel like you were you were in a school. And so they were my they're my earliest memories. I wasn't aware that I was going to spend you know the majority of every year for the next six years in, in these <laughs> in these buildings um, inside these walls. So it was a clever approach, I suppose, by my parents. If that's what they planned, they certainly hoodwinked me. <laughs> Not full disclosure, anyway. <laughs> no, no, not at all. <laughs> that may have kicked up a fuss. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But I think we're yeah, all the same. When, I when you do, uh, when I hear people be delivered now, it's more parents allowed go up and settle, settle them down. In our time, it was dump and run. It seemed. Yeah, you hand you yeah. over, it, and you made yeah, your way to the top open on your cubicle, and gee whiz, here you were. 
Yeah, I got one of the single cubicle or single rooms as well, whereas the others wow. were like, you know, like battery cage chickens. So um, <laughs> I, I think there was a benefit to that. I don't know how it was allocated, whether it was random or they, my parents pushed me forward for one. I, I, I have no idea. But I, I don't know how the rooms that. worked. Normally the, the top opened and was started alphabetical order or your age, really. In my time, the younger ones were the top open and then into the dorms. There's no such yeah, thing as rooms. Only in 15 yeah. and 6 here. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, that was the top open, I meant. Yeah, cubicles, yeah, really. Yeah. But um, yeah, I was one of the youngest in the year. So maybe that's... Although one of my great friends, Niall Amani, he's one of the youngest as well, but he was thrown in with his brother in a four-person cubicle. <laughs> that's punishment, isn't it? Trying to get away but from well, your brothers. Well, it would be if you knew either of them. <laughs> and your brother went there as well, did he? He joined. Uh, Sean went, did his first year in Castle Knock. Didn't really gel there so he moved to Clongos for his second year and my second year and that caused a little bit of conflict mainly my my instigating uh, <laughs> because I sort of had my feet under the table and, and here was my brother coming in to um, you know not quite spoil the party or yeah. spy on me but you know I was the only kid in town in our family and then then there was I had to share that with uh, with my brother so but we went through the whole of Clongos together then and, and finished you know in sixth year together wow and if I asked you, what did the place give you for life? Any tools or disciplines or ways you behaved ever since in your professional oh, life? Christ, I, got, I tell you, on a good day and a bad day, <laughs> they, they wanted to disown me on a they wanted to me on a bad day. Yeah. I, I came from, I would say, probably a middle class family in a very rural environment. Mm. So humility was certainly a large part of where I grew up and, and in, in Valley Mounts and. And, and I would like to think a little bit of that rubbed off on me. Uh, I still have tremendous friends. It's, I, I'm tremendously proud of where I grew up in, in, in Wicklow. And I suppose I, was, I wasn't I was unique. My background wasn't unique when I went to Clongas. There's so many boys. They all come from different backgrounds. But I certainly had never been exposed to some of the either wealth, would probably be one way of describing it, that, that, that came from Clongos. Mm. So... If I had a humility about me, and I would never claim to be a very humble man, but if I have any of that, it probably came from from my formative years up to 12 years of age. Clongos probably gave me, a, I think, a study discipline and, and a learning discipline. Uh, I try and explain this to my wife sometimes, what we had to do <laughs> in the morning, in the evening, and then late at night in the in the, the latter years of Clongos. Yeah. So that's... That, that, that is a tremendous discipline to sit in, sit in your study. Now, sometimes we'd be reading the paper in between the books and, you know, all the other stuff that goes on. Never, in Brian, never discuss. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we couldn't get a book in, uh, <laughs> in some of the lads' hands. It was the Sun newspaper would do the rounds. But yeah, I think it, it probably did give me that. It gave me, I don't know if this is a Jesuitical thing, but it's certainly, a, I, I question things a lot. Maybe that's just my nature. Maybe it's it's that was encouraged in me. I'm not sure. The easiest thing would be to say, well, the Jesuit education brought that out in me. I, I don't know, but it I is a common was, theme, Brian. That has come across in a few of these interviews that the inquiring okay. mind is something that uh, it's like a a bomb they put in your mind, and it gets stronger as you go older. You get more and more inquisitive, and you don't take things as given, so you ask questions. I think that is. Well, that's just thing that you say it's a common thing. That 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 that's why I find that fascinating because I'm not not saying in any way that I was unique. Was, you know, but that that would certainly be a, a, a characteristic in myself that I'm proud of. Or, or so if it has come from Clongos, I've got Clongos to thank for that. <laughs> um, 
I, I was in my father's house uh, not so long ago. He lives out in Hungary. Yeah. And he's got a big old cupboard wardrobe there that, that holds a lot of the stuff from the house in, in Valley Mount uh, before he moved out there. And some of them are my, my school reports from Clongas. And one was written <laughs> by Jim Cullerton, wow. um, Father Jim Cullerton, who said uh, he has a problem with authority. <laughs> So I, I don't know whether I push the, the questioning mind a little too far with Jim Cullerton sometimes, but... Um, well, myself and Marky yeah. Shield had our uh, battles. I had room opposite him and I always question authority. I don't know why, but... <laughs> so uh, well, there you go. I, I, I'm accused of the same thing, Brian. Well, so. I, I got it stamped on my report. I don't know if you've got that... Uh, I was called to Milltown in fifth year and suggested if I didn't behave, I maybe shouldn't be coming back for rhetoric because I was caught chatting after hours and questioned whether lights out was the right time. And Mocky took me to Milltown and walked me around and told me how life was going to be when I went back. <laughs> Oh yeah, well, I, yeah, they could they could issue a threat, all right. Yeah. <laughs> and was sport big for you, Brian? Obviously, it was. Is that a silly question? Uh, no, I don't think it's a silly question. Really, it's it's it, it led to my my falling out with with some of the hierarchy in the school in in, in sixth year. I played Gaelic football and and hurling at Valley Mount. Mm. Uh, did athletics in primary school and when I went to Clongos I mean if you if you do like sports there couldn't be better catered for kids in the world than those yeah. that go to Clongos whether it was your golf your swimming your tennis I mean I think back on it now I, I, I do think I, every time I'm, I go there I, I have immense pride immense gratitude to my parents mm. and to the school themselves and then I want to say this in a, in a humble sort of way I do feel for people that don't don't have this and the vast majority the overwhelming majority of people don't have this it's 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 almost an unfair oasis at times when you uh, when you look at it. But if you were into sports, Christ, Clong was catered for you like no other. Absolutely. So I started rugby um, in, in first year, as everybody does, and then did the Junior Cup. And then I had my, in fourth year, it was Senior Cup. No, no, I was Junior Cup in fourth year because I was the youngest in my year, so I could play right. the year below, if that makes sense. And, yeah. And then in fifth year, I was brought into the Senior Cup panel I enjoyed it, but none of my friends were playing it. So that that fifth year, I was in the senior cup panel and I was made a house leader for the following year in sixth year. And I made the decision when I came back, I wasn't going to play rugby. So that caused caused me a lot of problems in the school. I had to come up with a, a reason why, not just that my best mates were didn't really throw themselves into sport too much. Um, I put it that way. They they always I called them messers once in a newspaper article, and every one of them bar one took issue. Niall O'Mahony at least put his hand up and said, "Yeah, okay, I, I was a messer." All the others went, "Oh, I'm, I'm a pharmacist. I'm a vet. You can't be calling me a messer." Yeah. So I went back to Clongers and I said, "Listen, I'm not playing." And then I was in in front of the headmaster. He said, "What's going on here? This is disgraceful." I said, "Oh, I want to focus on my studies." There, there was the lie. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that's uh, I think that was threatened with having the house leadership stripped from me. And it was made clear to me that it was, they, they weren't, ha I understand it from their perspective, of course. But, um, I, I just wanted, I had very few friends in that, if any, in that senior cup panel. And, and I didn't want to be going training every day with that when my friends were doing something else. That's what I thought was remarkable about that when you spoke of, uh, earlier this year. To make that decision at that age with peer pressure, et cetera, et cetera, it was actually quite independent of you to do so. I did have the safety blanket of being able to go back to my mates, you know, like, 
So even if I was ostracized at the higher levels, yeah. and, and I and listen, I don't want to over egg it here. You know, yeah. I don't want to over egg it. I wasn't shunned in the corridors or anything like that. But I, I knew I knew they were disappointed. They told me they, they were disappointed. But yeah, I was able to go back to my friends and then and reassure myself that they still like me, whether or not I played in the senior panel. But I, I do remember at the end of that year on, on school sports day, I took great pride and great pleasure in winning the 100 meter race. And I, <laughs> it's never left me to this day because... I didn't do anything else in, in in the sports and I didn't play any other sport at Clongos from, from the end of fifth year onwards. So in sixth year to any any level, I didn't try, except that's one I, I wanted to win because I knew I'd be racing against some people that had been in the senior cup team. So <laughs> um, I took great pleasure in winning that little, uh, little Battle. was it like a bowl-shaped trophy that sat in the trophy cabinet that was, was in the concourse. And your time? I don't know. Do you want me to lie? <laughs> just, just under 10. <laughs> All right. I believe you. And if I asked you any outstanding people, memories or specific memories of the place, would you have any? Oh, lots. I mean, lot, how long do you have? Wow. It's, I mean, there's just so many. And it, they, they do seem really fresh smells of, of the place and feelings in summertime and those long evenings. Yeah. When, you know, you either had exams, big exams coming up or, you you know, you were maybe a bit more relaxed because you were in first year or fourth year. I, I remember them clearly and fellows out the back of the pavilion smoking in summertime <laughs> soccer tournaments I, I yeah i mean really really clear i mean some people as well i think i got on with even the people that were disciplining me i mean i still got on all, with all of them father connor harper was probably my favorite teacher mm. i have so much time for him i did speak to him i think once i rang to get a hold of him or late leave a message since i've left clong was i'm i'm out of there 30 years i'd say 30 yeah, about 30 years next year. A mere year. kid. Yes, a mere 30 years kid. next year. So, yeah, he, he was a, I, I loved him. I really thought he was a tremendous educator, wonderful human, what a brilliant presence and, and a great storyteller. And he loved storytelling. And I, I suppose part of why I liked him is we could go into his room and he had posters from landmarks all around France up on the walls. And we'd all sit on our desks and we'd look at each other and somebody would give it the other person a nod. And they put their hand up before the class started and he, and he had a booming voice. He'd go, yes, what is it? And I'd say, Father, what's that building up there on that, uh, on that poster? And he'd go, have I not already explained that to you all? And then in unison, we'd go, no, Father no, Harper. <laughs> and then, boom, we'd burn about 15 minutes of the class as he was explaining what Mont Saint-Miguel was and then moving on to the next poster. So, yeah. And occasionally we we, we sort of... Uh, We'd say to him, Father, can we have a chat with you? And he'd bring us into his office and he'd give us tea and biscuits at night. So uh, myself and Robert Burns used to do that frequently. <laughs> he was a he, tremendous, tremendous human being. Um, so the people were great. And of course, then all my friends that I made, I still, they were at my wedding. We're in a WhatsApp group. I think there's eight of us in it. And we, we're, we're in daily contact. I'm not exaggerating to say that it's daily contact. And you so. still have reunions and that kind of thing. I haven't been to a reunion. Um, they're all coming over to my house, actually, in a couple of weeks' time. Really? To redecorate, are they? They're redecorate. Well, well, I'll need to redecorate <laughs> after them. Yeah, they're coming over. I live near Burnley up in the hills. So they're yeah. they're making the they're, they're way over. Yeah, five of them are going to make it over. So I'll introduce them to my wife and uh, kids for the second or third time. It might be the last. I always think that. <laughs> and you always know you're going to end up in professional sport? No, how would you? I, I don't think anybody could really. As I say, I wasn't a... I, I didn't reach any sort of significant levels in school. I, I mean, certain, certainly some people in our year where Richard Governey was was you yeah. know, in and around an Ireland squad. Of course, Gordon Darcy had a tremendous story while he was in, in secondary school. Yeah. But no, I was never... I, I, I said I'd sort of fallen out with, with rugby union, really, because 
I didn't have any friends that were playing it. So I went to university in Dublin and then I was asked to come down and play in Lansdowne. And I did that and sort of took that up for a little while. And then somebody at Lansdowne said, listen, I run a rugby league side in the summertime. You might enjoy that. So in my final year of university, I took him up on that and, and played rugby league. That was summer of 1998. Somebody in England saw a video and then invited me to, to come over and, and sign a contract with them there and then. So I did that and that's, that was me nearly nearly 25 years ago, I think now. He took to it like a duck to water? Yeah, I found it easier. Yeah. Um, I found it easier, easier to get involved and it just suited me more than, than, than Rugby Union did. And I went back to Rugby Union in 2007, signing for Munster. Yeah. And I had a wonderful experience because they were such good people on and off the field. The staff at the club, the players, the, the, the legends I got to play with, and who was I, there I just in your couldn't. time? Uh, well, I mean, they had, I think, the entire Irish pack yeah. Peter Stringer and Ronan O'Gara, Doug Howlett was was on the wing. Yeah. Um, there was, I mean, there were Paul O'Connell, Ronald, yeah, there were icons John Hayes, mm. Jerry Flannery, Donico Callan, David Wallace. Wow. Um, well, yeah. he was some player, wasn't he? Yeah, oh, unbelievable, unbelievable. Um, so. I, I got to play with all of those and it is it, it is one of the highlights of my sporting career that I got to to be on the field at the same time as as, as some of those guys. But I wasn't able to contribute much because I wasn't much good at the sport. So I came back to rugby league for four games, broke my arm and decided to call it a day. And you commentated now, Phil's uh, adrenaline rush, does it? I never searched an adrenaline rush, uh, Ross, really, but no. it, you, you get a tremendous sense of satisfaction after a job well done when you're playing professional sport. It doesn't last for long because it's usually within the season unless you're lucky enough to win a trophy at the end of it. But when it's within the season, you can savour that night, savour perhaps the next morning and then you're immediately thinking about the game to come. Yeah. Um, broadcasting is the same. I can drive home from a broadcast if it's gone well. Sometimes I drive home thinking, I can't do this anymore. I'm no good at this. And then yeah. other times I'll drive home and think, that was pretty good. I'm, I'm happy with that. that. That went really well. And you get a good feeling. I'm mean, guess people do in every walk of life really yeah but my, my experience though is in sport and in broadcasting yeah that's all the self-criticism you want to improve 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 that's uh is it sporting the competitive ethos i don't know but people obviously want to improve and you'd be no different than that trying to, whatever no absolutely yeah absolutely and, and you want and, and to be pushed as well yeah you know it's i think if you it'd be an empty enough existence if you were just in a comfort zone your entire life even if that comfort zone was at a a level of, of very high achievement. Yeah. And is there a piece of music that you hear now that takes you back to... If it's not circuitous, uh, too circuitous a route to take, it's it's probably songs by Queen. I lost my mother when I was in fourth year, a summer heading into to transition year, and I was to go away to Germany on exchange. So I remember being in Germany with one other boy from my year, Alan Gaffney, a lovely fellow from Kilkenny. Mm. And we were both in the same school, uh, school Gastonk, uh, outside the town of Gok on the German-Dutch border. We would walk outside of the school. 50 metres later, we were crossing a border into, into uh, Holland. So the two of us were there for about three months. And I remember being there, no German at all. We didn't take German in in first three years in Klongos. Yeah. Um, and and finding out that uh, Freddie Mercury had died, but wasn't sure what 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 he died of and then was learning about HIV and AIDS and I don't get too dark with this but so that was that was for me uh, I just just remember where I was learning about it and, and ever since I 
since then, if I hear Queen music, it immediately brings me back to that that time and place in in Germany on exchange, um, and, and finding out that you know this iconic iconic uh, figure had passed away. Any song in particular? Too much love. Yeah, Bohemian Rhapsody was big when we were there, which is the age of the dinosaurs. But that was played incessantly all over the dorms and radios. Yeah. And yeah, there are other songs that I remember, like Wendy James, Transvision Vamp. Some people yeah. would have posters of Wendy James on their walls, and it was yeah. And if I hear a Transvision Vamp song or see a Wendy James picture, then I'll I'll, I'll remember back to my time in Clongos. And if you had sons, Brian, would you have sent them all things being equal? Would you have chosen to send them there? It's a good question. It's a good question. How do you find that balance in life where you're you're asking for opinion, but you're also telling them what they're going to be doing? <laughs> um, I wasn't I wasn't canvassed for my opinion, and I'm glad they did <laughs> because I I went there, and had they asked me, I might not have gone there. Yeah. So I suppose as a, as a parent, you've got to trust your instinct up to a certain age, uh, up until your child reaches a certain age. So all all things being equal, if I had the money, which I don't, if I had boys, which I don't. If I lived in Ireland, although that's not such a hurdle, but um, I, I would certainly send them there. Yeah, they were they were really good to to our family, Ross. As I said, my yeah. father had to work away. I think I told this story the night you were at the um, the presentation of the international caps. Yeah, uh, it wasn't just me or my brother Sean, my other brother Liam, and my youngest brother Kevin all went to Clongos as well. Um, so for a long period of time, there was always one of the Carneys from in nineteen eighty eight. And I know one of the guys you had on the podcast is Greg Dilger, and, yeah. and I do remember that name distinctly. Yeah. Um, it's amazing what, what stays in your mind <laughs> um, because of senior cup win. But yeah. there was a, a Carney at Clongas for a long time after that. And dad was under pressure to earn, earn enough money to keep all four boys um, and, and also, you know, manage the fact that he had lost his wife and then the boys had lost their mother. And Clongos. And I know this from speaking. They they facilitated him and allowed him to stagger his payments so that he was still paying Clongos long after the 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 final final boy had left. Now, if they hadn't have been so understanding and flexible, well, maybe the youngest would have had to come out, which would have been perhaps you know caused him further turmoil or or, or uh, hardship. So. I'll, I'll be eternally grateful to the school for for what they did for our family. And in in summary, to answer your question, all things being equal, absolutely, I couldn't recommend it. And it's different from when I was there, and it's different from when you were there. I'm I'm thinking if it's plotting along the same lines that it always has done, I would have no hesitations in sending my son, my child there. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, as a parent, it's a difficult call. I mean, my story is not dissimilar to yours, in a way. Uh, but if I had sons, uh, the selfish part of me mightn't say I wanted to see them grow up. I mightn't send them away. So to me, it was a non-option in that sense. Uh, yeah. I have two daughters, and it's great to have them at home to see them growing up. I would have, if there were yeah. sons, would I miss them five or six years? I don't know. But it, yeah. it didn't arise, so the matter was solved by itself. You know what I mean? Yeah, my my wife wouldn't wouldn't countenance it. Yeah, just it just would not. No, wouldn't wouldn't in a million years allow you know allow me to send my daughter to um, to boarding school. Yeah, but well, that's that's a they, paradox, isn't it? We all had a great time, but yes, the people look at it as a very is it selfish? Is it bizarre? Is it I don't know? But sending kids away, you kind of look as a parent slightly differently. It is, yeah, yeah, and I, and I get all that. I just I, I, again, and it. This is the other. There's a myth about you know boarding school and private education and all that that they'll they'll turn a turnip into a you know into a genius. <laughs> That's not going to happen. Yeah. 
and I, I've got friends that are living proof of that. I won't oh, mention I'm living proof myself, Brian. I know that. Well, <laughs> yeah, I would probably <laughs> categorize myself in that. But what, what it will do, it'll give you the very best opportunity. If you've got a chance of making it, it gives you the very best framework to succeed, um, I, I believe, anyway. It's short on, well, certainly back then, it was short on what would have seemed like welcome distractions to a, a 15-year-old boy. But, but at the time, it was probably better. It was single sex. It was, you know, focus was on studying and focus was on sport. So there, were, there, was, there was so much, so much in it, I think. I, I do want to give mention to one particular person. When I went back to that international caps night, the first person I, I made a beeline for was Ray in the kitchen. There was a, a tremendous character and people listening to this may, may remember him. Uh, we called him One Roll Ray because that was his, he would police whether or not you take one or two bread rolls at dinner time. And we went straight to him, myself and my four mates that were, were there the, the night of the cap distribution. And, and Ray re- remembered all of us and was, was made up. We'd gone down to see him. But he was the one person I really did want to see when I went back to Klongos because he was always very kind to us and always very smiley. And I say any, any kids that have read, left recently will, will know Ray well, <laughs> still there now. Um, but he's, again, these, these are the different people that you meet and that they, they leave an impression on you. They Mr. Crabtree do. with his coins all the oh, way up his yeah. arm from the tuck yeah. shop. Yeah. Yeah, it's remarkable the things these people did for us very selflessly. Yeah. Yes, I, I agree. I, could you imagine driving into work on a November morning yeah. and dealing with 400 rat yeah. bags? Yeah. Rats, yeah. Oh, I mean, wow. honest God, yeah, they had more strength than I have. Anyway. And if you were to sum it up in a phrase, a word, Brian, what, what, what could that be? Longos, and my yeah. experience. Yeah. Wonderful. Brian Carney. Thank you for joining me on Portraits of Clongos today. It's been my pleasure, Rosser.